actually yesterday was the, the moment that it hit me. I know it's taken two months at this point. I have reverted back to my student self of having dinner at 11 o'clock at night and going to bed at two. And it's not a good thing. Well, that just depends on your body clock, right? So, like quite a lot of sleep sleep doctors advise these days to figure out what your body clock is and sleep accordingly. That is That is my absolutely body clock. It's always been that way, constantly. Yeah, so like maybe that's healthier for you. Yeah, I mean, the, the the thought of going to bed at like 11 or half 11, it's just not me. It's just not what I do. I struggle to sleep if I go too early. Even if even if I've stuck with it for uh, several weeks, I'll still just struggle to sleep if I go to bed early. So The, the other thing I've, I've realized over the last few weeks is that I am a, a fraud when it comes to Zoom <gasps> and virtual conferences. Yes. <gasps> uh, let me tell you why. Because every single time we have a Zoom call with uh, Pink Elephant or any other uh, freelance stuff I'm doing. I have to make myself look presentable, but all I'm doing is putting on the same polo shirt or the same blue shirt or pink shirt and splashing some water on my hair, but I'm still in my slippers and joggies. They don't need to know that. Yeah. But it seems like everyone else is all like totally made up and has been up since the crack of dawn. No, they're doing the same Working as you. on coffees. Everybody's doing the same as you. Are they though? Yeah. Even people who are like getting called in to have an interview with the news, they, they're doing that. They've got their boxers on. That's it. As long as you got the shirt and tie, you're good. We were we were discussing this with a, a big conference events company today in, in Glasgow. Do you think that this realization that swathes of the workforce can actually do their own job from home, do you think that will change the broader demographic of society? Do you think we'll see fewer cars on the road, fewer offices in the world? Well... I'm hoping that as now businesses have adjusted to enable enable people to work from home, that we'll see those businesses, instead of saying, hey, now you're all working from home, or hey, now you're all working back at the office, they'll say, hey, day to day, you can choose right. where you need to work from on that day. I'm hoping to see flexible working place uh, become a thing, because it would be super cool for everybody who feels like they don't need to be going into the office every day and or if they've only got meetings once a week and stuff like that, if they could choose uh, where they work from. And then we might see fewer cars. But really, like, cars haven't made a difference. We've had barely any cars in the road and we're still worried about about uh, the environment. It hasn't worked. Quit, quit putting that on the consumer. Put, quit putting that on the individual. Put it on the corporations. <laughs> Get rid of the cruise industry. Yep. We've, we've touched on this before, but it was actually a, a study I was reading this week which said, even if all the cars that are currently off the road stayed off the road, we still wouldn't meet our yeah. climate targets by an absolute mile. Like, it makes a bit of an impact. Like, the air is cleaner. We're, we're, we are polluting less. <laughs> no, but, but no, when, when, you say, when, you say it's, it's make, when you say it's making a little impact, that's like comparable to me stopping eating meat and I'm ending the carnivorous society yeah, yeah, we, yeah. End, we live in. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. I'm not making an impact. It's just one person. Yeah, so, like, we, we've all been lied to that if the consumer stops or if the individual stops driving and if the individual stops using plastic and instead switches to glass that it's all better but all of its lies it's all on the corporations it's all at the shipping level it's all at the cruising level it's all at the flying level there's not a lot we can do as individuals to really make it the same dent that 
businesses and that states and that countries can do. In classic Seesaw Parade fashion, jumping into discussion before we've actually properly introduced the show, but welcome everybody. This is true. This, welcome to two actual individuals, not the individual that I was using to describe every single person in the world. This is episode 206 of Seesaw Parade, Scotland's longest running podcast. Yes. And I don't care what you say. I'm Colin and he's James. I also don't care what you say unless you... Give me a name that I don't like. Exactly. Your new favourite podcast, Scotland's least dull podcast. That was the strap line I was looking for, but somehow was unable to find it. And thank you very, very much for listening and for getting in touch, as you have done over the last week or so. Before we get on to that, James, this, this has really been a week of realisations. Oh. In that, once again, I was alerted to the fact that we as humans are very, very stupid. So, you may have seen it was rather sunny across the UK the last few days. We had, we had some good days. We did, we did. And particularly in England, there was a lot of news footage which was uh, making its way onto the social media. Mm-hmm. And two clips in particular, one person who was, a, a, who was an old man who was red in the face drinking a beer by the seaside... And he was saying, you know what, you know what, we're going to get a second wave here because, you know, everyone else is here enjoying the sunshine. We're at the beach. Completely unaware that he is part of the problem. He's at the beach. That he's actually the one who's also at the beach enjoying himself. Yeah, he's right there. And the same thing happened. There was a different coast, different person. I think it was in Devon. And someone was saying, I'm just so shocked at how many people are at this beach. Yeah. Screaming at her, saying, you're you're one of those people at at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, this is this is the perspective that people like. It's just been I know we've talked about before the fact that as a as a as a human species we are stupid and we look at after our own self-interest as opposed to the whole of mankind. But we all think that we're the protagonist in the story of Earth. Correct. Uh, and it's just been another reminder that th- the biggest obstacle in the way of beating coronavirus is actually ourselves as a society. Well, I blame that on the Tories because they've been telling us for a very, very long time that there is no such thing as society and that it's individual action that that matters. Uh So then everybody's like, well, if I as an individual break the rules, nobody else as an individual will, but it'll be fine if I do it all on my own and that won't impact society because it doesn't exist anyway. So it's the Tories' fault. It is. It's always it's always their fault for everything. If you would like to get in touch with Seesaw Parade, discuss or reply to anything we talk about on the show, you can do so on Twitter, on Snapchat, email, Facebook, at Seesaw Parade. We're very easy to find. Emel did this last week. She said, lemon chicken is delish, and just because your mom made a Baufin version of it once doesn't mean you should write it off. Well, there we go. Why not make your own lockdown lemon special this oh, week? Hashtag justice for, justice lemons. for lemons. And she's actually included a link. Oh. Sticky lemon chicken. Why yours? That is some good good feedback on some lemon chickens. Some real effort's gone into that reply as well. So thank you. I will I will at some point give this a try. Me too. Let me just next time I get some lemons. Next time life gives me lemons, I know what to do with them. Do you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna make lemonade. Sticky lemon chicken. Oh wait, yeah. <laughs> Sticky lemonade chicken. Right, let's talk about what's been happening over the last few weeks. Later in the show, we'll get to some actual movie trailers. James, I can't believe it. We're back in the world of movie trailers. Everyone's assuming lockdowns aren't going to come back, I guess. Indeed, as well as a couple of reviews about what we've been watching and, of course, the weekly appearance from Donald Trump. But let's start with Scotland. Scotland! Scotland! 
Okay, so this is the news that Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister, has unveiled the four phases that Scotland must go through to emerge from this coronavirus pandemic. She, in her daily briefing she gives to the media and to the public, uh, started by outlining phase one, Mm -hmm. which will kick off on Thursday the 28th. So so just over, just under a week's time. If conditions are correct. There's still an asterisk. Phase two and phase three, phase four will follow. Those are without dates at the moment because obviously the virus is very unpredictable. But I would imagine that those would follow, let's say, three weeks, four weeks after the previous one, depending on how things are going. Yeah, let's just say that. James, the difference between what Nicola Sturgeon said and what Boris Johnson said was, in terms of the phases, similar. However, Uh the detail... The detail in what Nicola Sturgeon was saying it was light years ahead of what Boris Johnson was saying. And as someone who is still very much on the fence about the SNP, it is something I will say they've got this right. Oh, and Nicola's doing a great job on the on the dailies. She, she just presents things in a way that makes sense, sounds logical, and they don't follow it up with a week's worth of corrections every time. It's pretty banging. Well done. The phase one, the main change is that as... An individual or as a house as a household, you will be able to see one other household outside yeah. as long as you maintain yeah. social distancing. So pick your household now, folks. <laughs> Absolutely. How workable is that as a guideline? As a guideline, it sounds great. Super logical. It makes sense. You're allowed to now have another household in your circle of life. But people won't people won't abide. People are already hanging out outside of the households. Everyone's like kind of breaking the rule away, but yeah. I hear more and more chat about it, people making plans, and I just silently judge them. Um, I probably should loudly judge them more than I do. But as soon as as soon as we've got a flex flexibility, everybody's just gonna meet whoever they want and just claim that it's the one household. Oh yeah, this is my one household friend. These are guidelines as opposed to laws. Yeah, yes. But ultimately thing. for this for this to work, you've got to have that compliance with yeah. what's being put out there because otherwise we are going to see that spike or we're going to see it rise again yeah. and then lockdown comes back for potentially longer next time. Yeah. So if the rate of infection gets too high, we get things, we get lockdown measures reapplied or we go back a phase depending on where we are in the process. So I think people will be will be more relaxed. Hopefully this idea that overshadows it all, that we we still are risking getting locked down again if we break the rules or if we break the guidelines. Um, we'll we'll keep people a bit more in check. But you know, well, I think I think I've had too much faith. Yeah. In in the populace for a while now, so I'll be more pessimistic this time, and then hopefully it will it will actually just be okay. Well, as I said at the start of the show, this week has again made me realise that people are ultimately looking out for their own self interest, myself included. Yeah. As opposed to the wider or, or what's better for society. And you know, even as I'm scrolling through these news items on Wednesday, which was the, the very hot day in Scotland this week, I'm seeing pictures of, of people at Portobello Beach in Edinburgh. And there's hundreds of people there. Yeah. A p- part of you and part of me wants to think that Scotland is better or Scottish people are better oh, yeah, because oh, yeah. we're, we're not doing what England's doing. And you know, we've seen this in the past with, if you remember the riots from a few years ago, those were all contained to England, largely in London, but other cities were essentially taking part. And there was this view that, well, you know, look at us in Scotland. Hey, we're not doing this because we're better. We're a better we're class right, of people. We are civilized. But ulti- ultimately, yeah, as you say, phase one 
is where things begin to loosen up. So Miss Sturgeon had said that this will also see garden centres and recycling facilities reopen, and you'll also, James, be allowed to fish, golf, play tennis, and bowls. Congrats, upper class. And you also, you may have missed this, a Tory MSP during First Minister's questions on Thursday asked Miss Sturgeon, could he play croquet? Because <laughs> it was not included in the guidelines. <laughs> You can basically see her like internally just like, who is this guy? You can also play giant chess so long as you don't (laughs) touch the opposition player's pieces. Yeah, people will also be able to sit or sunbathe in parks and open areas. And initially, as as we've been talking about, meet one household in an outdoor area. Yeah, the fewer people you meet, the better, everybody. I know we're a super influential podcast, so what we say matters a lot. But just as a general rule... Keep it low. Just keep it low and we'll, be, we'll do less harm and things will be better sooner. Right. Because people don't realise this. The more that we do just still keep pretending we're not even in phase one and are still in full lockdown, the sooner we get out of phase four. True. A, a couple of points before we move on. The first one being, Nicholas Sturgeon mentioned that as people, as individuals, we have to decide what to prioritise. Our own well-being or listening to the guidelines. I can, again, as I've talked about in the last few weeks, have been finding it pretty tough, particularly the last few weeks as as lockdown has gone on and on and on. Yeah. So where do you draw the line between, okay, you've got to look out for yourself. For example, phase four, technically, is the first time I will be able to hug somebody. Yeah. Phase four may well be, let's say, August. That's yeah. maybe even optimistic. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> I'm not sure I can do that. I believe in you. I don't. I what don't. You, what you should do, think of someone you hate, right? Let's go for let's go for individual seven. Okay. We all hate individual seven. Picture your own hated person in your head. Right. Imagine them doing the thing that you're considering doing and try and think about how you'd feel about them doing it. Would you be judging them or would you be like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then act accordingly. Okay, so the person I'm thinking of rhymes with uh, City Satel. And, <laughs> and if, if she was doing that of course i'd be annoyed but again this just goes back to that question of i'm looking out for me and how i feel when really i agree with you we should be considering the bigger picture and thinking well just- the sooner all of us do this then the sooner yeah. all of us get out of this but i just don't have that faith in people judge, judge yourself as though you are city satel would I commit treason? And <laughs> hmm, do I think I should get away with committing treason? Hmm, no. Right. The second question, the final question. Oh, is it hypothetical? Of course. Of course, all hypothetical. My my final question then was: We're talking about this being just one household that you go and see. I'm going to pick my neighbour. This to me, particularly if you're going to choose your your one household, you're going to start to alienate people. You know, I can't. I've got, you know, I've got a handful of friends I could potentially go and hang out with outside at a two meter distance. And if, you know, if I choose one person, everyone else is going to feel affronted that I didn't choose them. You know, at some point I've got to say, look, sorry, you're just number four in the pecking order. This is yet another reason that I will literally just be choosing nobody. (laughs) Nobody. Because I can't be bothered dealing with the social fallout of choosing somebody. (laughs) Well, James, I'll... Nobody's worth that fallout. I'll I'll put your mind at ease and say you're at least number four in my list. (laughs) Because, look, I love you, but we talk every week, so it's, it's fine. I, I don't, you know, I, I feel we have this. No, we get, we get plenty. We get plenty of your time. And I know that 
at the end of all this, we'll we'll just be fine. So, <laughs> you know, there we go. We've had that conversation. Well, you have to remember, though, when you're choosing <laughs> me as your fourth household, that John also stays here. So ah. surely that knocks it down the pecking order, like to number ten or something. Well, I never see he's. I never see him though. He's always inside. Yeah, but he'd feel like you're choosing him as the fourth. <laughs> Still, but that would require him to come outside, and he doesn't come outside, so... I'm the fourth choice. <laughs> Me. <laughs> People arriving in the UK from June the 8th must self-isolate for 14 days. That is the news from the UK government as of Friday. Travellers will need to tell the government where they will quarantine and enforcement will happen through random spot checks and £1,000 fines in England, at least. Home Secretary Siti Satel, I mean Pretty Patel, said... (laughs) Pretty Patel... Tom fool. (laughs) Pretty Patel said the measure would reduce the risk of cases crossing our border. Mm-hmm. Lorry drivers, uh, seasonal farm workers, and coronavirus medics are exempt. James, right. my question, first of all, is why is this only happening now? It is two months into lockdown, and it's this is being brought in at the start of June. Why wasn't this done? They've not been... I don't get it. They've not been listening to the podcast enough. I, no, but serious question. Why wasn't this one of the first things that was done? I got no idea. Plenty, plenty other countries Come on, James, you're meant this. to know the answers. Come on. It's just because our our government prioritised being lazy about it. They didn't want to interfere with the, the airport's... Um, the airport economy. They didn't want to interfere with our, the money that comes in through the airports. And now they now they have to, because if they don't introduce it, we're never going to see the rates of infections drop until other countries are sorting it for us. Right. Like they're late. Of course they're late. It's not surprising at this point that they're late because like even down to even nationally for Scotland, we've just been very slow. Yeah, okay. Ms. Patel told the Daily Downing Street briefing the measures were not the same as completely shutting the UK border to visitors. She said, uh, we're not shutting down completely, we're not closing our borders, and asked about the prospect of foreign holidays, she said, this is absolutely not about holidays. So what's it about then? Because if it was about controlling the virus, we would have done this weeks ago. You've really, you've got to plan ahead a lot for your, like, weekend business trips now. (laughs) So it's basically it. Yeah, airlines have said though that this quarantine requirement is going to effectively kill air travel. Yeah. And one airport boss has described these plans as a blunt tool yeah. to fix this issue. Yep. He, well, here's the other option. The only other option is completely closing down air travel deliberately. So does that sound less blunt? I wish we went for that one. We, we keep looking at other countries which have done this far better. I must apologise to the people of New Zealand because last week I said that 98 people had died. I was wrong. 21 people had died. That's, that's 21. way less than 98. That's, that's, that's tiny, tiny compared to 98. Exactly. So I'm, I'm sorry, but part of the reason they've done this so well is because they literally did this on the start of March. They said, if you're coming into New Zealand, you've got to quarantine for two weeks. Deal with it. Yeah, Australia's had similar things since the start. Um, and it just means that fewer people will actually make the plans to go. Yeah. And it means that those who do will have to prove that they've got plans to, to get through it. Yeah. And both of those things are smart. And we're just over here in the UK thinking that we're so special and we can be different and we can just take our time. We should have acted. To me, this just smacks off, as you're saying, James, 
Britain feeling like we are better than everybody else and we, we're going to keep our economy moving. We're gonna Things keep are going to be different here even if we don't act differently. We have been sorely mistaken about that, but for whatever reason have just taken yeah. an absolute age to come to that conclusion. But, but also, if this is within the remit of, of Pretty Patel, I'm not surprised because she does not have the qualifications to have the role that she currently does. But ultimately, though, this would be a decision that Boris Johnson would have to say yes to. Yeah, but he has to get asked and first. And also, Boris doesn't have the credentials to have his job either. That's also very true. Where's he been, by the way, for the last week? He's just is not, he still he's a, not is here. Is he on paternity leave yet? Is he just on a wee holiday? Uh, maybe he is, I actually. Think he, yeah. I think he's okay. in the, whatever his... Is it the Cheltenham Ch- House? Checkers. Checkers House. Something like that. The Chess House. Yeah, he, he, broke, he broke the rules. He travelled to a different place to stay. Um... But it's okay when Boris does it, of course. Well, t- talking of people who broke the travel restrictions, did you see that the author, Neil Gaiman, yeah, he flew, ch- he flew from New Zealand to Sky yeah. to self-isolate? Yeah, he had a little fallout with his partner. Come on! And flew very far uh, in dramatic fashion. Did you see that he 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 reactivated his accounts on a book reviewer thing? where he can publicly review books and he gave a right. five-star review to a, like, how to split up with someone who's toxic for you book. Oh, did he? So that's, like, the pettiest, the pettiest way to <laughs> to get back at someone oh, for a breakup. My. Well, I mean, that's, no, yeah. uh, that's a pretty extreme way of, of dealing with a breakup is, okay, we're, we're going to take a break. I am flying 11,000 miles. See you later. Yeah. And it's just people, people of all kinds just think that they can live a different life or have different... Um, decision making well, um, processes to other people when he clearly believes that he's above the law yeah well I don't even know what the law is for someone flying in because the flying in thing doesn't make sense it wasn't banned is he allowed to fly in and then drive to uh, one house well that's the, well, that's what he did he, he he arrived and he drove from London to Sky and he, I think he tweeted I think he, he told every uh, the world this by tweeting about it yeah and said he'd he'd driven up and the roads were great but I, I, I'm not sure like where the rules apply there because like he didn't stop off at a house in London so technically it was his first place he, he went to so it just makes no sense I, like this is the problem w- with having the airports open um, <laughs> is that when someone does this so publicly it just weakens the whole system because other people then think that they can copy it even if it would be actually breaking the rules for them to do. Let's move on to the US of A and yet more headlines involving the President Donald Trump this week. Four days ago, he revealed that he has been taking hydroxychloroquine. Mm. This is the dubious treatment for coronavirus that Trump has been fiercely touting Mm -hmm. for weeks at this point, but which was found to have a very mixed effect on patients. Yeah. No studies so far have shown that it has a good effect on patients and regulators have advised it's not to be taken yes. outside of a hospital or clinical trial setting yeah. or unless you have malaria, uh-huh. which is essentially what it's for. So maybe he's got malaria. The no, Maybe he does. He is surrounded by mosquitoes. You may have also seen the news today that he was m- visiting a Ford plant in Michigan and despite the fact that he was told by the site managers and by Ford him themselves to wear a face mask like everybody else in the plant, he refused to do it. Yeah. And all the photos is everybody else in a mask apart from him. Yeah. James, I know we, we keep re- repeating this, but this, I, I, I'm out of words to describe the actions of the president of the free world. Yeah. I, I think I've seen 
similar images from like RMPs going to different places here too, where they'll be the only one not wearing a mask in a crowd. Yep. Maybe they've not been asked to, but I'd I'd hope that they'd go overboard in trying to be a good example. Um, in this instance, it's just Trump. He wants his face to be recognizable, and he doesn't want his makeup to be smeared by a mask because it it's, would smear his makeup pretty horribly. It's very similar to Boris Johnson at the start of March saying that he was visiting coronavirus patients in hospital, shaking hands. Yeah, shaking their hands. Yeah, I'm sure he's still <laughs> proud of saying that. And the the him saying that he's taking this med that he's just got pals who would make money from other people buying into it is clearly just because he still wants to make them money. He He's trying to push something onto the US um, populace um, through popularizing it that will make money for some of his rich pals. Um, I don't I don't get how they can prioritize themselves ahead of um, the good of their people so much, but they continue to prove that they can. The other daily headlines we've been seeing across the states have been judges tossing out stay-at-home restrictions, for example, yeah. in the likes of Oregon and um, Wisconsin, North Carolina. So Democratic governors who have put in place these stay-at-home restrictions, which then, when taken to court by Republican-controlled houses, get thrown out, which means yep. that people are now, in a large number of states, essentially going back to the way things were without any sort mm -hmm. of phases. There, there, Of course, there's still restrictions in place, but not to the same level, and it's very, very much a case of only if you feel you absolutely have to. James, the, the figure, the death, toll, uh, the death toll in the states is going to be at around 100,000 this weekend. Yeah. As the number, for example, Texas, which was one of the first to unlock because of this pressure to get the economy moving again. It had its highest rate of daily infections just this week. Yep. After unlocking. Yep. This is just a disaster waiting to happen again. Well, yeah, they've had enough time to think about it for several months now. And instead of being slow, they've just gone all out with even more infections than they had at the beginning. Most of these states are states that haven't actually seen a decrease in the rate of infection or seen a significant decrease in the rate of infection. They haven't seen a decrease in the number of deaths per day or per week. Uh, and yet they're opening up. And sadly, um, we haven't really had enough time since many of them have reopened to see the full effect because the full effect will be worse than we're, the numbers we're seeing now. Similarly to how we we haven't had enough time to judge whether England came out of lockdown too soon, yeah. or if that's affected the, Engl the, the English nation at large, or if it's affected even Scotland and Wales um, with a little bit of a domino effect, we won't be able to really see that until next week, maybe the week after that, until the numbers are really getting studied enough so they all feel like mistakes it all just feels like huge huge mistakes and it's all for the sake of big business it's, it's for the sake of big business it's for the sake of the rising unemployment numbers we're seeing across the states and across the world but because trump's concern is yeah that you know ace card of how well the economy's been doing and now that it's totally tanking i mean yeah he's urging states to to reopen and get the economy moving despite the fact it is currently unsafe to do so and that yeah. and that's the the way that we talked about this this is the way he's doing it he's prioritizing the economy over over human lives they could end up tanking the economy even harder yeah, it could. Once it all goes really bad, if it all actually goes as bad as it could. But let me just bring up this point then. The 
case in Oregon I talked about where the judge has revoked the governor's orders to stay at home. The lawsuit came from 10 churches who were arguing that the state's social distancing protocols were unconstitutional. Yeah. And in their order to, or the judge's decision, uh, he said the governor's orders are not required for public safety when plaintiffs can continue to utilize social distancing and safety protocols at larger gatherings involving spiritual worship. This is something we're obviously much more likely to see in the States. But again, it's just this blind rejection of what the science is saying to go back to some sort of normality. And this is... Uh, it's a microcosm of what is happening across the country. But it's also, as we're seeing the numbers come in from churches and from gatherings that ignored lockdown rules, we're seeing that they've got um, some magnitude um, greater deaths already from their little population than they would have if if they had obeyed lockdown. We've seen some churches of six or seven deaths where you would have expected none because it's such a small gathering. Yeah. Um, so it's only going to get worse. And we might see similar things in other countries as, as different countries are prioritizing different things. And well, yeah, if you don't want to pay good unemployment to keep people going throughout lockdowns, yep, it's all going to go wrong. you got to keep people with enough money to survive. One country who were going against the grain at the start of all this was Sweden, who decided to essentially not have a lockdown at all. In the past week... Yeah, they had some measures, but not a lot. They were the most lax in the world intentionally so that some sort of herd immunity could could be made or built. The figures that have emerged in the last week was that for the week between, I think it was the 3rd and 10th of May, the deaths per capita were higher in Sweden than anywhere else. And also the fact that research has found 5% of people in Stockholm have this herd immunity. 5%, and that's without any sort of lockdown. It's too early to to really... Not a big number there. I know. It's too early to really compare, but that, to me, is a pretty stark rebuttal of what a lot of experts were talking about at the start, this herd immunity. People will get it, and they'll be immune to it. Now, whilst that is still in the early stages of being proven true or otherwise, I believe that Stockholm figure reflects the fact that it was a mistake. Yeah. Although the epidemiologist who's who predicted all this in Sweden is still saying, "Oh no, no, let's just let's just hold on a second. It, the difficulty is, if you're aiming for herd immunity, you need a high percentage of people to reach that immunity. Yeah. So you're looking at eighty percent is kind of effective, ninety percent is mostly effective, and then as it goes up, it gets better and better. To have that many people reach herd immunity in a couple of months means that you're going to have hundreds of thousands of people dead in that couple of months because that's how percentages work. If it's if we've got a 1% fatality rate, even if you've got a 0.1% fatality rate, um, to have that many people getting the virus in two or three months in a nation means that that, that big of a percentage of your population is going to be dead and that your medical infrastructure will be overwhelmed. I, I don't see, even if the science is saying that you can reach herd immunity eventually, I don't see how rushing to it is a valid strategy. It's just going to have the most casualties possible. Okay, one more US headline and arguably the biggest one of the week, which is flying somewhat under the radar. This is the news that Steve Linick, who was the State Department's Inspector General, was fired by President Trump on Friday. He was reportedly investigating 
the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo for a potential abusive office. And this ah. is the third Inspector General who has been fired in the last 40 to 50 days by the President for these... Uh, for this potential, for this, what he perceives as a lack of loyalty. But to me, James, this is just... You don't investigate my people for the bad things they do. Exactly. It's it's just another step towards some sort of totalitarian state where everyone just has to Absolutely, yeah. do exactly as the president says. Well, yeah, because he, he's supposed to give Congress a month's notice, basically, yeah. before firing someone in these positions so that Congress can go, no. And of course, Congress would have gone no. So he just fired him. Yep. And he's going to get away with it because he is unaccountable while the Republicans have any control because the Republicans have no backbone and they don't care about the law. Yes. Um, but we're seeing similar things over here, not quite to this level, but we found out this week that Boris Boris Johnson, uh, the, the he's not really able to be investigated for him giving a bunch of money to his... Um, Jennifer R. Curie. Yeah, who he was having an affair with. And um, because the evidence has been deleted or because the files have all just gone missing. Mental. Which is a trend that the Conservative Party have had in place for years and years now. They've lost paedophilia reports. They've covered up Russian reports. There's there's numerous things that have just been deleted or gone missing or can't be traced. That Russia report is still yet to see the light of day. Yet to see the light of day, similar to reports before it. And it's something that because they've got the power, nobody can hold them accountable. And because they don't care about the law themselves, nothing's going to happen. Both countries are a mess. The US is way further into a totalitarian um, situation because the person they've now replaced um, Linich with is one of Mike Pence's key allies. Yeah. So they're just gathering all the power into people who will be loyal to them so that they don't have to care about the Constitution, they don't have to care about law, they don't have to care about procedure, and they will just keep getting away with it. It could reach a state where they a stage where they don't have to listen to the election results because they've got enough people in places of power to just not care. So just before his abrupt dismissal, Linick had opened an investigation into allegations that Pompeo had been using a political appointee at the State Department to run personal errands for him and his wife, Susan. Yeah. Which, like, it might seem less of an extreme thing than, like, giving money to people. It might seem of less of an extreme thing than, like, manipulating the law to benefit you, but it's still an abuse of power. Any abuse of power has to be investigated. So, uh, as I was saying, Linick is the latest in a string of officials in watchdog roles to be fired by the president in uh, recent months, and particularly late on Friday nights. Trump said that yeah. Mike Pompeo had asked him, uh, had asked Mr. Donald Trump to fire uh, Linick. Along with Linick, you'll remember Michael Atkinson, who was one of the first whistleblowers who came forward about the president's call with his Ukrainian counterpart, Volodymyr Zelensky. Michael Atkinson got fired. That was at the start of April. And at the start of this month, Christy Grimm was also dismissed as the Deputy Inspector General at the Department of Health and Human Services. So this is... A, a trend, and Christy Grimm was someone who had published a report about the shortage of medical supplies at hospitals around the country in the midst of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Exactly the kind of person you want to fire. It's just you, you're not allowed to hold Trump or his team accountable to their failures right now. And the Republicans, um, especially those in the Senate, are just rolling over uh, to allow all this to happen because they're the, they're supposed to be the check for the president. And then Congress is supposed to be the check for them. And then 
everybody else that has different departments is slowly getting fired because somehow the president has the ability to fire all these people that are supposed to be able to oppose him. I'm just going to we'll end on this quote. This is Walter Schaub, who's the former head of the US Office of Government Ethics. He said, This assault on the inspector generals is late stage corruption. And Trump's kicking down of one of the last bulwarks that stand between us and the burgeoning corruption-driven authoritarianism. And he added some advice to journalists, saying, cover this like you're a foreign correspondent in a collapsing republic, because you are. It seriously is that bad. How about that? Like strong words, absolutely accurate words. I hope we see similar words being spoken about some of the abuses of power that we have over here in the UK. James, we have some actual trailers to talk about this week. I can't believe it. My my goodness. It feels like it has been at least two months. Okay, so let's kick off with Tenet. Now, this is one that we have seen before, but this is a new trailer adding some interesting dimensions to Christopher Nolan's new movie, which is still meant to be coming out in July. Let's have a listen. Mm-hmm. There are people in the future who need us. We need Tenet. We need to save them here and now. This reversing the flow of time. Doesn't us being here now mean it never happened. Okay, James, break this down for me. What do you think? I mean, it's another Nolan trailer. He uses all of his action scenes because they are completely meaningless in the end. So we have got no idea what's going on plot wise. Yep. It's great. <laughs> it looks it looks it looks so confusingly good. I'm excited still. Yeah, I, I would I would go with that. Kind of watched it first and thought, this this looks great. I don't really understand what's happening or how that's meant to work in reality. But of course, we're in the world of sci-fi and fantasy now, so it's fine. So of course, instead of shooting a gun, you're catching bullets backwards. Of course you are. Mm-hmm. Just, it just, it's going to have to make sense. I know. Um, the- and yes, like I am seeing a few more of the Nolanisms. He's got a few characters that are very similar to characters we've seen before. Michael Caine just played Michael Caine. He, they, well, for example, he's got actors playing themselves in every film that he does. Um, and especially Michael Caine, who plays Michael Caine in every film that he does. Correct. Um, but Nolanisms, I, I forgive because he tends to make such a value product. He, he tends to end up with something that is fresh feeling even if he uses some of the same pieces there was a a couple of lines in this trailer which i thought that seems like a big thing to give away in a trailer i'm gonna hold my judgment on that until i actually see the film because perhaps it may just be some sort of throwaway line that's meant to sound dramatic but in the grand scheme of things is nothing at all yeah some of them i expect are very early on in the film but they're made to feel like they're towards the end of the film that's the way nolan does his trailers i always assume that they're a bit too um, transparent in what they're giving away, but then I watch the film and I'm and I get I get the reverse. I find out that the trailer was just a was just a big joke, and he, he played one. Yep. He played us. So I hope he's playing us again. I, I I like this a lot. Let me ask James. This is still, as I mentioned, due to come out in July, the very start of July. Oh, yeah, yeah. In in theaters, July. It is the first big tentpole movie that's going to be arriving in theaters worldwide. Do you expect people will turn out for it? Uh, I expect by then, yeah, people will be going to these things. Do I expect to be going to these things by then? No. Okay, let's move on. Here's another trailer. This is Da Five Bloods, which is Spike Lee's new joint, as he likes to say. I can't really say that myself. Uh, It doesn't sound 
doesn't sound right. No, you didn't. You didn't make it sound cool. <laughs> it's Spike Lee's new movie. It's coming to Netflix next month. Yeah. Here's a trailer. Gentlemen, welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. You're the man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. We bury it. They don't. We come back and collect. James, this one caught me by surprise. Me too. So this is the story of, I believe, some ex-Vietnam War veterans, or some Vietnam War veterans. They're not ex-Vietnam War veterans. <laughs> they are no longer. They no longer went. They're actually in tenant. They no longer went to the war. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a crossover film. They they didn't actually go. They were there in reverse. This is the this, this what looks like a story of some Vietnam vets going back to Vietnam to find something that one of their former commanders left. Some sort of yeah buried gold. buried treasure. And by the looks of things, uh, they encounter some baddies whilst over there. And these yeah, old they, guys they are forced to join up, join forces again and bring out those big firearms. James... Yeah, with their fat friend. With their fat friend, I think. Paul Waterhauser, who is who was in <laughs> that movie I reviewed a few months ago. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. The one with the... Oh, what was the name of it? I pretended that I was reacting to it so you can just like overdub it when you find out. <laughs> I'll, I'll find out. But anyway, James, what do you think of this? I'm going to look up what film that was. This... Um, this is a really well put together trailer in my books. I like. I don't think you can give away the story of such films because it is very much a known story. We've seen this before with several films. One of the only questions is like, do they survive? Do they get this? Do they get the merch? Yeah. Um, but in terms of the visuals of it, the differences between the modern day scenes and the, I'm assuming flashback scenes, um, the music choices, the color choices, uh-huh. it looks stunning. I'm really, I'm really excited by the look and feel of this one. It does. I really liked it. And I liked the way the trailer essentially built, built up to a crescendo. It started from yeah a, a zero and then at the the end we're at 100 miles an hour even the stylistic exactly. choices for the for the trailer you know taking the words that are in the soundtrack and putting them on the screen yeah that's new that's something different so it was doing something fresh and i liked that i appreciated it the film i was talking about by the way was richard jewell ah, which is yeah. about the the cop who found a bomb and nobody believed that he he actually did and they all thought he planted it and he didn't yeah sorry spoiler but anyway that guy he's he's in this film spoiler real life story spoiler <laughs> spoiler happened 25 years ago you can look it up so i did like the look of this chadwick boseman i'm a big fan of and yeah spike lee's stuff is particularly his most recent film which was black klansman mm-hmm. which is phenomenal if you get the chance to see it very funny very um engaging some excellent performances from Adam Driver and John David Washington, who is the lead in Tenet. Absolutely. Look at all this crossover that's happening. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I, I do need to watch more of Spike Lee stuff, but this does look like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. so put it on your Netflix calendars, everybody. All you all you um, reasonable, clever people who can abide locking yourselves down until June next year, put it on your list. Okay. Everybody else also put it on your list, but you'll be like more busy with work and life and stuff. A couple more uh, announcements slash trailers before we finish up. Umbrella Academy announced their season two in a very different Ooh. style 
to what I was expecting. They did. Yeah. They I had the, the nine cast members who are clearly all self-isolating at home. Mm-hmm. who were just dancing around to a particular song. They recreated one of the scenes from season one. Oh, did they? Yeah, that, right. they were recreating okay. a, a dance um, montage from season one, but in their own homes with their own cameras of varying quality. <laughs> so you can explain, you can take this one, because I did, I'm yet to finish season yet one. Finish, yeah, you dropped it. I, I will I will go back um, to well, it, mainly because I think Robert Sheehan is amazing. He's so good in this, and he's even good in this trailer. And he's handsome. Like, he's just got such a good energy. Um, but basically, it's just an announcement trailer for, this, for the season two. They're, they're recreating, if you have seen season one, uh, the dance scene that they, they, they had to introduce the different characters at one point. Um, so they're letting us know that season two is indeed actually finished. It's not been um, postponed, and it's coming out on Netflix. And we can all keep it in our um, calendar. The, the child actor is less of a child actor now. So I wonder how they're going to age him up or age him down accordingly uh, in the season. Um, but overall, they, they did leave off at a bit of a cliffhanger uh, with time travel involved and trying to fix the past involved. And, um, there's a lot There's a lot of questions that I do hope they answer. I do hope they do a better job than season one, though, because some of the stylistic choices were great. Some of the acting was great. The writing overall was 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 kind of average right but they've got they've got a uh, they've got a cast that can punch very high so i've got high hopes that they can come together to make season two better it could be one of those shows that that gets better and better every season and ends up making us all fall in love with it right okay one last trailer or announcement and this was the eurovision song contest movie starring will ferrell and rachel mcadams and the announcement was made via a 90-second snippet of their song, Volcano Man, which yeah. I thought was interesting. It's <laughs> about all I'm going to say. Interesting is the word. It, it just feels like a music video, or like a, like a bit of a joke music video. One, one thing I've realised recently is that Will Ferrell is, is he's getting on. He's a lot older than I think he is. He is getting the wrinkles, and they're getting to such a stage that they can't be hidden by makeup. But he's been around for a very, very long time and uh, making the same film over and over again. Uh, so I assume this is going to be feeling like most of his other works, I guess. Okay, he's only 52. <laughs> I thought he was maybe... He's been around for a long, I thought he was maybe time. 60. 52 is, 52 is wrinkles time. Right. This, this to me, I'm sure it'll be fine, but that's that's probably a, a, it's hardly a compliment. Like Will Ferrell fine is like not very good. If it was 15 years ago... He, Maybe it would be good, but I just don't know how. I don't hold out any great hope for this movie. Yeah, when his kind of humor stood out and was a little bit different, it might have been good. But if it's just his usual kind of humor, it's just going to be the same again. Different scenes, different sets, different characters, same jokes. But it could be great. Uh, it's just fingers crossed because there's not many things coming out. So fingers crossed, it's a ten. True, James. Let's wrap up. What have you been watching this week? I watched several weeks ago, but can talk about it this week. The final season of The Clone Wars. Tremendous. What was it like? Animated, the animated TV series now owned by Disney. Okay. And they've wrapped up the story as well as they could. The team is, making... Is that a compliment or is that a criticism? It's a compliment because the team making the show got given less budget and less episodes than they hoped. Right. Fewer and fewer, I suppose, would have been better words. Less and fewer. Um, so they got given 12 episodes to wrap up a whole host of storylines and a whole bunch of things. So they kind of just had to choose the two or three that they'd finish 
and then the rest are getting finished in like books and comic books and stuff like that. Um, overall, it was off the increasing quality that we were seeing from the show. Because when the show started season one, it's a bit dodgy. Season two, it's a bit better. So on and so on. Each season gets better than the last. The animation gets better than previous seasons and stuff. Um, overall, the first four episodes were good. The second four were too long. Um, but they had some important elements in them. So I would have devel- developed developed other episodes more. Pushed these ones to two episodes maybe less instead of being four episodes in this one story arc. Uh-huh. And then the final four episodes, I couldn't stop watching them. They were so good. Just as a Star Wars fan, as someone who tries very hard to like the prequels and the more I see of the Clone Wars TV show, the more I like the prequels. These worked. <laughs> they tied in so well with the films because they are set between the second and the third film. Um, and they, they did such a good job tying everything together, giving characters that weren't in the films really important things to do with high stakes and actually impacting the story. Right. Um, I'm, I'm super pleased with the final four. I do wish we could see more episodes, though, but it might be the last we see of the Clone Wars as a TV show. Okay, I am now three weeks into my Marvel watch along ah. and I've taken a, a slight jump in that I've gone to Captain Marvel because it's set in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So I've gone from Iron Man set in 2008 back to the 1940s and now I'm in 1990. Yeah. So we're just gonna. I'm just gonna go with the kind of order I feel is appropriate. So anyway, you're picking and choosing. This is one of the more recent Marvel entries. I think it came out last year, maybe two years ago. Yeah, I still not seen it. And I feel very much the same as I did when I saw it first time, which is it is a functional Marvel movie. <laughs> and again, if you compare it to what the introduction to a, a character can be, this ain't it. <laughs> yeah it's it is fine yeah. it is absolutely fine yeah but i'm never going to recommend it yeah. or urge it, somebody to watch it there are a few problems with it here's the first one maybe 60 seconds or 90 seconds into the start of the the characters speaking in the movie jude law's character says to Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, who at this point is yet to be Captain Marvel, this is, as I say, a minute into the film, Mm -hmm. says the phrase, you've got to let go of the past. Mm -hmm. We are one minute into the movie and we're already into the backstory. And I appreciate that with the introduction to a a new superhero, a new person, you've got to build up that backstory. You've got to give them the history and the the reasons for their struggle. But it was 60 seconds in and suddenly we're... Yeah. It was just like... If you're going to... Similarly to to Captain America, which I reviewed last week, it's just blunt force trauma of uh, here's your character development bosh here's the reasons for doing things bang yeah and it's there's no subtlety whatsoever if you're gonna do that stuff where you just dedicate a block of time to character background do it in an up style emotional impactful stylistic montage at any point in the film right so don't break it up into flashbacks so what i'm looking forward to is guardians of the galaxy because chris pratt's character is given that backstory is given that character development in a impactful way impactful and it's and it's measured and it's done well 
There's yeah. an opening scene and that's it, forgotten. And then it's kind of interspersed throughout at the right points. It's not just, what you do. here you go, here's the exposition, here's the character development in the opening 90 seconds. Let me introduce you to your motivations. <laughs> and similarly, there's, you know, you, you realise that Brie Larson's character has anger issues because you see her shimmering fist and, oh, she's going she's gonna to give Jude Law what for? And then she decides not to. Oh, no. And then she decides she's going to punch him anyway. What a, oh, what an ass kicker she is. And it's exactly yeah. the same problems yeah. that Captain America had with, yeah. to an extent, the other characters are given less of that because, you know, with with Samuel L. Jackson's fury, we already know who he is. So he's, mm-hmm. it's unnecessary to give him that exposition. But there is, yeah. there are certain additions to his character which are done more subtly mm-hmm. than... Captain Marvel, for example. Right. Other points, other points, just very, very briefly. The the story is is good. There's a nice little twist. And Ben Mendelsohn, who is the villain of the whole piece, is phenomenal. I think he's brilliant, despite the fact that he is underneath green prosthetics. Yeah. He is brilliant in this movie. I really like him as a, a character actor. And he is someone who, and, and in this movie, actually, he gets to keep his Australian accent. Which is nice. Oh, that's good stuff, yeah. I, if you're going to watch the film, it, it is... I would recommend it mainly on Ben Mendelsohn's performance. He's great. Right, yeah, yeah, There yeah. are There are some touches of humour that, that work. There are other ones which don't work at all, but it's it's just okay. It's fine. There is a very yeah. heavy slant towards female empowerment, and that is great, but again, it's done in a way which is just over the top and it's, it's just boshing it's you in the much. head rather than than giving you information it, it's 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 absolutely you know it's not so much hitting the nail on the head as careering the hammer through the wall and breaking into next door Cracking that's my skull with the hammer exactly that's how blunt force it is it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. like you will take this female empowerment and you will know when you walk out the screen that this movie was about female empowerment which <laughs> and all it is is just them saying female empowerment over and over again they don't actually like tell us anything about it or what it, why it is important or why we need it or what's lacking they're just like female empowerment also it's, it's female empowerment. It's given. It's portrayed in a way, particularly in the, the the final act, as you know, Captain Marvel. She's beaten down one more time, and we go back into the montages we've seen already. Oh, no. And it's her as a young girl being told by a man, "You can't do this." And then her as a teenager being told by a man, "You can't do this. Why are you trying? No. You're a woman." And then she's as a soldier, and she's being told, "You'll never do this. You're a woman." And oh, then of course she realizes no. that the power was inside her all along. Yeah. So, so like, if, you, if you have powers inside you all along, you can be empowered, even if you're a woman. Right. So as much as I, you know, the message of the film, great. The way it's done. It's delivery is no. off. <laughs> just, yeah. just no. Not, not cool. I would say most Marvel films are like getting a well-wrapped box of chocolates for Christmas. Because <laughs> they've all got chocolates on the inside. It's right. Never, it's never diverges from the chocolates. They're all nicely wrapped with good sellotape placement Safe and nice too. packaging. Probably the same packaging as all the other ones. But some Marvel movies also have a little bow on the top. And some Marvel movies have a heartfelt note on them. The other <laughs> ones just don't. That's a, that's a good analogy. And on that note, James, we're crashing through the hour mark here. So I believe we should bring this show to a close. All right. If you would like to let us know what you've been watching or reading. I will have a book to review next week. Uh, <gasps> a TV show you finished or whatever it is, do send us a, a review. You can do that by recording a, a memo, a, a thing into your WhatsApp and sending it to us. Yep. 
<laughs> Thank you it. for that, just, James. And just let on us that know note, your reviews. I usually have a funny review to suggest, but I'll be honest. Just review your lockdown experience. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, James, thank you very much. I'll see you next week. Hi. Bye, Colin. And goodbye, lockdown friends. Bye, shitty chattel. <laughs> Can I say that? Sure.